0: Father, thank you so much for being so
1: great a God to us as to Lord, as to raise up Joseph, to help him through his life, and then to record for our benefit all that you did through him. Help us to learn this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis 45, verse 9. Genesis 45, verse 9. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Behold your eyes see the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that is my mouth that speaketh unto you, and you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father hither. Okay, now, so in our last study, you remember that we saw how Joseph had cleared this burden that had been on the back of his brothers for over 10 years, and that was the burden of all their guilt, all their shame, all that came from from them being uh, 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 bearing all this because they sold Joseph as a slave into Egypt. Now it's all forgiven, it's all forgiven. Their relationship has been restored and it all came about when he said those words to them in verse four, come near, come near unto me I pray you, and they came near. So Joseph, he showed, when he said that, he showed that he held nothing against them for selling him as a slave into Egypt, and he showed his total forgiveness in verse eight. In verse eight, when he said, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. When the brothers heard Joseph say that, they knew Joseph did not resent them. Joseph did not resent them. In fact, in fact, what they understood from that is that is that if Joseph resented being sent to Egypt, then Joseph resented God because he said that it was God who sent me to Egypt. So that statement, when the brothers heard that, it just totally relie- relieved the brothers, uh, uh, all the fear that they had that Joseph's gonna blame us. Joseph's gonna blame us for sending down to Egypt. All gone. So this was really the complete reconciliation that was completed here. And, 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 and so, and this is a wonderful thing about Joseph. Now, there's so many words that we can use to describe Joseph. But if you were to choose one word to describe Joseph, what would it be? What would you choose? Okay, faithful. It was certainly faithful in, 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 in everything that he had to do, especially to the Egyptians. Okay. And who, what else? What other kind of word would you use to describe Joseph? What'd you say, Tim? godly. That's such an all-encompassing word like God, you know, and that's a great word. And he was godly because when we look at Joseph, we can see God and what God is like. It's an illustration. What else? What other word would you choose? Yeah, and that was really something because a man is tried by his praise, the Bible says. Praise tries a man. Well, Joseph has got all these criers Running out in front of him, saying bow the knee. There's his great Joseph, but he never took the bait. He never took the bait and became proud. Okay, what's another word you would just use to describe him? Honest. He's honest. He's honest. He's he's honest because he's just he he he's always telling people everything the the truth. He's very honest, and, and sometimes with the with the who was it? No, I'm getting it all confused. The baker. <laughs> it wasn't a bit, it was a lot of temptation not to be honest about what his dream meant, right? You're going to lose your head. But what did you say, Sue? You said passionate. Now, passionate is a word that's very interesting because it's getting towards this word that I would have, uh, that I want to use here to describe Joseph. And that is the word diligent. Diligent. Now, where do you see diligence? You see it in the two words that he uses there in verse nine. Haste ye hasty when he says in verse 9 he says that in verse 9 hasty that is so typical of joseph why because now that the reconciliation is complete he sees that okay it's time to move on to the next job it's time to get done what we need to get done you know this is what we saw as soon as joseph was promoted to this position of being the the prime minister it was so striking there In Genesis 41, 46, Genesis 41, 46, it says, Joseph was 30 years old, he was 30 years old, when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land. What does that mean? That means that as soon as Joseph was promoted by Pharaoh, Joseph didn't have any promotion parties. (laughs) There was no celebrations for his new position, and, you know, he says, "Okay, where's my staff? Let's have a big party here." These words describe Joseph, hasty. You know, when you kind of look back the verse before that in Genesis 41:45, in Genesis 41:45, it says there a little bit of context. Pharaoh called Joseph's name zathnath paneah and he gave him to wife Azaneth, the daughter of Potipharic, priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt, and Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. So there was Joseph, and it was Joseph was, you know, for Joseph it was like, uh, okay, I've been promoted to be ruler over Egypt, fine. Now, I've got to get on with the most important pressing t- task that I have at hand here. I've got to get this food secured for the coming famine. I mean, he was just given a wife. <laughs> he doesn't even stop for a wedding party. <laughs> with a new wife, a new position, a new staff, he's off. And it's emphasized twice in those verses there in Genesis 41. Is He's off immediately on this Egypt-wide trip. That's Joseph. He was diligent. He got down. He was a get down to business person, and that's exactly what we're seeing here with Joseph. Repeated, and now that the reconciliation has happened, and and there's no time for any reconciliation party. And now it's like, okay, uh, you know, after after four, after more than ten years since we've been separated, we're reconciled. Now, fine. Now my father must be brought down into Egypt where I can take care of him. So haste ye. That's why those two words really describe him so well, haste ye. So we see here this consistent pattern with Joseph is this sense of urgency. He's really got a sense of urgency. He's got to get this job done. He knows how limited the time is for this opportunity to get this job done. It's this sense of urgency about him that characterizes the life of Joseph, and it also characterized the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because when It's very interesting in John chapter nine, this whole account about the man that was blind, and it says there in John nine one, in John nine one, it describes the situation, said as as Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from his from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, this is a very interesting scenario here. I mean, here was the Lord, it says that he was just walking by and he sees a man that was born blind from his, that was born blind, that was blind from his birth. And the disciples also see this man. Now, what did the disciples want to do? They said, this is very interesting. You know, they said, let's sit down and have a discussion about the cause of this man's blindness, the cause of this man being born blind. So the disciples sit there and said this would make a great mentally stimulating academic discussion about the cause of this man being born blind. So they launch off into a discussion with two proposals. And the and and and, and the first one is that maybe the parents sinned. Yeah, that maybe that's it. Let's discuss that. Maybe the parents sinned that this man was born blind. And then the other proposal which is even more out in outer space, was that, no, it was because this man sinned that he was born blind. (laughs) Oh, does that raise some issues, you know? That's very mentally stimulating, very academic discussion. How could this man be punished at birth for a sin that he's gonna commit after birth? Whoa, that leads to another mentally dis- dis- stimulating and academic question of, does God punish people in advance of their sins? <laughs> so what a trap this was. And, and, this, and this it's really an invitation, an invitation by the disciples for the Lord. To just, let's just sit down and enter into an involved discussion. Meanwhile, the man continues on in his blind state. And so what the Lord did was He stops all the discussion and He gives a short answer. No one sinned. He says, "No one sinned." And then, in response to the invitation to have this mentally stimulating academic discussion, all He responds with essentially He says, "I don't have time to waste on that." And He says in verse four there, chapter John nine four, "I must work the works of Him that sent me at the while well, it's day. The night's coming." when no man can work as long as, as long as i'm in the world i'm the light of the world so what the lord was saying was there i've got work to do i don't have time to sit down and have this mentally stimulating i don't have time to waste on an academic discussion and the lord said that he had work to do and they were the works of god the father and that's what he had been sent to do and then the lord spoke up the end of the day is coming the end of the day is coming the night is coming the end of the day is coming and it's these words in John chapter nine, verse four and five, nine, four and five, of while it is day, and as long as I am in the world, when he says these while and as long as, what he's really expressing here is that time's running out. Time is running out. My time is running out. And then the Lord Jesus without even waiting for a response from the disciples, because he doesn't want to have an academic discussion about that. He just jumps in, spits on the ground, makes clay, anoints the eyes of the blind man to heal him from his blindness. And all the while, the Lord, you see, there is being driven by this while it is day and as long as I'm in the world. And that's the same force that's driving Joseph here when he says in verse 6, in Genesis 45, 6, 45, 6, for these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall be neither earing nor harvest. So just as the Lord saw that his time on earth was coming to a close, and that drove him to work, so Joseph saw There's five more years of famine coming and work has to be done to get my father and the family settled down here in Egypt so I can take care of them. And that's what the sense of urgency looks like. And this is what the Lord wants to to characterize our lives. A sense of urgency that we see in Joseph, that we see in the Lord Jesus. Our time on earth is very limited. It's very limited. And the worst we can do with our time on earth, it's just wasted in a comfortable coast through life. as a comfortable coast without any sense of urgency that what is the will of God? How can I do the will of God? What has he got for me to do? Where's the help of God to do, help me do the will of God in the time I have left? And that's the personal application to verse 9 when Joseph says, haste ye. Now, this picture of Joseph with this sense of urgency And he's launching off here to do God's will. It's a picture of what Paul was talking about in Philippians 3.13. Philippians 3.13, Paul says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If any other thing you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. You know, it reminds me of what happened to you about 30 years ago. I sure remember this. I was traveling alone, which I didn't like going traveling alone. I always wanted my wife to come with me. You know, now I've grown up. But anyways, then I was. And I was always faced with the temptation of self-pity. You know, it was always, I miss Cheryl. I miss the boys. I miss my pillow. Anyway. And I was always suspicious when I'd go into a hotel room of what strange things happened in this room, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, you know, before I went on this one trip, I, w- I listened to this one message where, where it was about not, not engaging in the world system, and this, this, the speaker said that he was alone in a hotel room one time where down below, below him was this wild, immoral uh, party going on, and 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 he decided to use his time in the hotel room just to study the scriptures. And he talked about how it was a wonderful time. So I I took the advice, and I remember I was going from New York to Boston, and I had some cassette tapes on the book of Hebrews, and I just poured over the study. It was a fantastic trip. I remember that. Why? Because I forgot about other things and I used the time to press on to know the Lord Jesus better. And that made the difference for me. And that for me was the verse nine application. Haste ye, on with it. And that's what Joseph was telling his brothers. He was saying, haste ye in verse nine. Here's your new job. Yeah, reconciliation, this is great. This is wonderful. No time for parties. Let's get on with it. Now we see that Joseph told his brothers exactly what to do in verse nine. He says, haste ye, go up to my father, say unto him, Genesis 45, nine. Haste ye, go up to my father, say unto him, Thus saith thy son, Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt, come down unto me, tarry not. So we see here that Joseph really emphasized to his brothers, don't get distracted. Don't get sidetracked. Now, I know that never happens to any of you, and it never happens to me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'll get a degree in that. But anyway, he said in verse 9, "Haste ye. He started verse 9 with "Haste ye. He finishes verse 9 with tarry not. You jump down and you look at verse 24. He says, see that you fall not out by the way. Now, when we see Joseph here making this emphasis three times to his brothers, what does this show you about what Joseph felt about his brothers? (laughs) What do you think? Got some reliable guys here. They're slackers. They're going to get (laughs) sidetracked. I know my brothers. Now, this was a very important job to do. Very important. This message had to be delivered quickly and it had to be delivered accurately. And he says, you know, haste ye, in verse verse nine, go up to my father, say unto him. So, here's the question. If this job was of such great importance that Joseph wanted his father to get it quick and get it right, what is the obvious question Why did he send someone else? Why didn't Joseph himself go to his father? He's got such an important message to be delivered. It's got to get there quick. It's got to get there right. And why does he send his brothers? Why didn't he go himself? Now, did Joseph have any reason to question his brothers would be reliable? Yeah, plenty. (laughs) Had the brothers given Joseph any reason to not trust him to be truthful messengers? (laughs) Someone said honest a little bit earlier. Where where, what, What did Joseph have as a reason to not trust the reliable truthfulness of his brothers? They lied to. Who'd they lie to? They lied to their father. They lied to their father. So now let's see now. They have a history of lying to their father. I think I'll send them to my father. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, right? So it really adds to the question, because Joseph had good reasons to not trust his brothers to be reliable and would be truthful, and and, and it's such an important job. And why did Joseph just get on his chariot and go there and tell Jacob himself? Why did he entrust his brothers who had a history of not being truthful with a message? They had failed in the past. Why did he trust them to deliver this message? When you really think about this, you can see here, Joseph's got a plan. This is a plan beyond just getting the message to his father, Jacob. And the plan has to do with the recovery of his brothers. Why? Because recovery always comes from repentance. Recovery always comes from repentance. See, Joseph didn't want to see it, 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 Joseph, Joseph didn't want to see his brothers just be sidelines. <laughs> you guys! You know. jo, 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 he wanted to see his brothers recover from the sin of not being truthful messengers. And that's what happened to him in the past. So Joseph knew that 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 his brother's recovery would only come for repentance. And repentance is to have another chance. That's what repentance is, It's to have another chance to do the right thing after you did the wrong thing. That's what repentance is. And it would have been so much easier for Joseph just to say, I'm finished with you guys. You are liars. Hang a sign around your neck lying, untrustworthy. There's no way I'm going to rely on you again to be truthful with this message. You guys are on the shelf. You guys are, I'm going to my father, myself, and I'm going to bring him the truth. And that would not have recovered his brothers from their sins. How many times have we failed the Lord? How many times have we failed? And what does the Lord do when we fail? Does the Lord say, I'm finished with you. You failed me, I'll never trust you again. You're off the team. You're shelved for life. No, the Lord doesn't do that. The Lord does the same thing that Joseph does, that after we've failed him, he gives us another chance to not repeat the same sin. And this is what Joseph is doing here. He's giving his brothers another chance to not repeat repent the same sin because recovery comes from repentance. And repentance is being faced with the same temptation and now not yielding to it like you did before. And that's what happened to Peter. And Peter, in, in, in Luke chapter twenty-two, thirty-one, Luke twenty-two, thirty-one, when the Lord said to him, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, now just look at Peter, like a peacock. He said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Can you imagine all the other disciples going, you know? And he said, and then the Lord said, he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow thrice. He shall not crow this time, but that thou shalt deny me, the, deny me that thou knowest me. Now, here the Lord Jesus is telling Peter, he's saying, Peter, he, he, he's a, you're going to fail, and you're going to deny that you even know me three times. But he wants Peter to recover And recovery comes from repentance, or what the Lord calls being converted, so that after the resurrection, the angel told Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James that they should go. The Lord wants them to go and meet the disciples in Galilee. And He says in Matthew sixteen six, Mark sorry, Mark sixteen six, Mark sixteen six, and He saith unto them, "Be not affrighted. You You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He's risen." He's not here, behold the place where they laid him, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, there you shall meet him, see him, and he said, as he said unto you. So the angel tells the women to go and tell the disciples, and then the angel stops and says, look, specifically, you've got to tell Peter.
0: Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. Are you seeking employment? Tom Cantor, the founder and president of Scantabodies Laboratory, would like to invite you to a job fair open house. Scantabodies Laboratory, a biotech company, will be accepting resumes on Saturday, April 14th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., located behind the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. That's Saturday, April 14th, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. For more information, visit scanabodies.com or call 619-258-9300. That's 619-258-9300. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California.